if if you weren't asking Google, Siri, Wikipedia, which of course Wikipedia is a source for all things true, if you weren't asking any of those sources, just ballpark, how many world religions would you think there are? Well, it would be cheating to answer because I actually just came across a beautiful gift that I stole for one of my teaching lessons that actually showed it. And the answer is there are... I think 4,200, last source I saw. And that's what this said. Okay, what I liked about this slide, it said 4,200 religions in the world, one empty tomb. Oh. Beautiful little illustration mm. to use my, my. on the topic I was teaching. My, my. So I have a little bit of an advantage. I already saw that ahead of you. Yes, okay. <laughs> well, that is kind of the smoking gun, the empty tomb. And yes. of course, speaking of smoking gun, you're a police officer. That's right. And if we're dealing with one way... To heaven, one way to God. Mount Vernon is fraught with one-way streets. Anybody who drives around here knows that it can get a little dangerous because if you're going the wrong way on a one-way, that's a bad deal. That's so, true. Do you have any in your vault of law enforcement history, any interesting one-way stories? I do. And this actually will hit close to home for you because it's your old neighborhood, mm. which as you know, is Compton. nothing but <laughs> it might be easier to get around in places like Compton than your old neighborhood, right. <laughs> which is nothing but one way streets. Exactly. They don't even alternate one way, one way, one way, all the same direction in one stretch, all brick streets. But this person right. drove down, I believe it was either your street or the next one over your old street and said later, you know, I drove down that street, and as I'm driving, I said, man, the city really messed up. They put every one of the signs on this street backwards. Oh, my. And it wasn't until he got to almost the end of the street that he realized, oh, I'm going the wrong way. That's awesome. The world is wrong. I am right. That's <laughs> was, typically... What's great is he told on himself, but absolutely. Exactly. Everyone else has messed up. Right. I'm the only one who must know this right now. Exactly. Right. And that's part of the problem. People see with us as Christians suggesting, even arguing, that there's only one way to God. Yes. They see us as the driver saying, the whole world is messed up. I'm the only one right. But is that true? Is there only one way to God? Are there many ways to God? Or, Debbie Downer would ask, is there no way to God? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Something to think about. <laughs> and we're going to. Right after this. Good day to you. Welcome back. It's good to be back. We have missed the podcast on a busy summer, so welcome back. I am LJ. I am the preacher. And I'm Andy. I'm the policeman. And welcome back to Preacher and the Policeman. Today, we are asking the question, is there really only one way to God? Okay, and we're back. Blair, 24 years old in New York City, and no, she's not on the phone, but she wrote this. How could there be just one true faith? It's arrogant to say your religion is superior and try to convert everyone else to it. Surely, and stop calling me surely, all the religions are equally good and valid for meeting the needs of their particular followers. So basically, how do you see that as far as what Blair said? 
Yes, yes. I'm pointing to you, Sir Andy. I am the only other one in the room. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I, I think Blair is like a lot of people. And I think that, at least on the surface level, that sure would make things easy, right? If there was multiple right. ways, or if it really wasn't important if there was a way at all. Right. Or maybe this whole Jesus thing isn't the right way. And do you really have that accountability? When I think back maybe 15 years ago, The Da Vinci Code, popular book. Yeah, Dan Brown. And of course, it's a work of fiction, no denying that. But the issue I saw with it, if you deny the deity of Christ, then maybe it's a free-for-all. Okay, sure. And maybe you can still live the way you've been living. Sure. But going back even further to that, I think of, in my mind, the image that comes up is at a delegates meeting of the UN. And this is going back to maybe the year 2000 with Ted Turner. Mm -hmm. Ted Turner stands up and in his railing against Christianity, so to speak, he says, how can you say it's the only way? How can you be sure there's not multiple ways to get to heaven? And this was received with a round of applause. Well, of course. The room loved it. Yeah. All roads lead to Chicago. They must lead to heaven. (laughs) Well, it's not Chicago. (laughs) Chicago or the whole world. I think that that room was very representative, not only because it was a room full of UN delegates, but the mindset of people that, how dare you? How could you say that there's only one way? Right. So how do you answer that, preacher? Well, that's a great question. And how could you have such audacity and unmitigated goal (laughs) to say that? Mitigated gall is fine. Unmitigated gall, no uh, room for that here. Story. Yeah. Well, before we answer it, let me read another quote from another person from New York City. Jeff, 20-something British man in New York City, and spells his name G-E-O-F-F. Very sophisticated. Mm. He wrote this, Religious exclusivity is not just narrow, it's dangerous. Religion has led to untold strife, division, and conflict. It may be the greatest enemy of peace in the world. If Christians can continue to insist that they have the, air, tr- air quotes, the truth, and if other religions do this as well, the world will never know peace. So basically, Jeff and Blair both lift their voice in a duet and say, you can't say there's only one way, because how do you know? So how do you know? Basically then, as we mentioned in the opening, there either is only one way to God, there are more than one ways to God, or there are no ways to God. Mm. So let's take a look at the religions, and, and you see this probably, especially in law enforcement, because you see so many vehicles. You see the bumper sticker that reads, Coexist. Many times, yes. Yeah, the one that yes. has the, I think it has the cross and crescent moon. Star and of David. Star of David, yeah. Right. Yes. And uh, right. these other religions. Sure. And they're basically saying, can we all just get along? Which I would answer that question and say, yes. Yes. Yes, we all can, and yes, we all should. Sure. Are all of those ways to get to God? I would say no, and here's why. Let's take a look at the three most popular world religions who believe in just one God. We'll just take the monotheistic world religions, and that would be, of course, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And then we'll add in a couple more religions, and these are obviously more than just one God, but these are extremely popular in the world, Hinduism and Buddhism. And when you take a look at them, the differences run far deeper than just they do among those monotheistic religions. Judaism believes there's one God called Yahweh. And Jesus was a good guy, 
but he's not God. Islam believes there's one God called Allah, and Jesus was a good guy, but he's not God. Christianity believes in one God, and Jesus is God who came in the flesh. So can we all coexist together? Absolutely. Do we all agree? No, not even close. But to say all of them are right can't be just by nature of the fact that they don't believe the same thing. Right. Hinduism believes in 33 million gods, so Jesus is welcome to take a number. And Buddhism believes there's no God because religion is born in fear, therefore Jesus is clearly not God. So from these five alone, is it possible that none of them is right from an objective standpoint? Is, is it possible that none is the way to get to God if you don't come with a Christian bias? Without a Christian bias, that would be tough. And I, I would say that there is one remarkable difference. If you take the divinity of Christ and just for a second, don't forget about it, but just for a second, look at this, that all of those religions essentially teach that as a person, you can do a couple things. You can do good works mm -hmm. and that you can improve that some way things are going to get better. Right. But Christianity does not. Christianity says there is nothing that you can do to get into heaven right. on your own. Right. You do not have a snowball's chance That's right. in somewhere else that <laughs> you will get into heaven. Right. Jesus Christ can get you there. That's how you'll get in. Not yes. on what you've done and not on any good that right. you think you can muster up. On his good, yes. We also believe that the world isn't getting better. Yeah. And even if we throw in evolution, because evolution, if we really get down to it, is almost a faith in and of itself. It, it truly is. It takes a lot of faith to believe everything designed and orderly came out of something that was totally random and chaotic. Probably more faith than you and I have. I, I, it's a, it, it is more faith than I have, certainly. <laughs> but, and I think we'll probably even devote a podcast to that. I think it's one a great time. idea. Yeah. But even with evolution, they say that, that we're improving, we're getting better mm -hmm. as we evolve. But Christianity says, you know, things actually started out really great, that there was this time right. where we had communion with God, things were perfect, sin had not entered the world, so there was no death, but then all that changed. Exactly. Hence our need for a Savior. We can't do it on our own. So I would say that even if a person who's never been exposed to any religion whatsoever if they were to look at it from that point of view as objectively as possible, they would say that there is at least something different, if not a distinct advantage in the doctrine of Christianity. All right. So then by taking a look at those five and seeing the major sticking point is the divinity of Jesus, we can say with certitude, all of them cannot be right because they don't agree on those that very core fundamental principle. I would say yes, you're right. Okay, so the whole concept of, well, all religions lead to God, well, that's pretty much not, it, it can't be true because one of them stands out as, well, yeah, Jesus is more than just a good guy, a good teacher, good prophet, wonder worker, miracle. He's, he's God. And there's flesh. all the difference, right? So there. yeah, there's <laughs> all the difference. So, and then just as you addressed, how are we right with God? We'll take a look at those different ways we're right with God. And just as you said, with Judaism, of course, it was in obeying God's law. Islam, there are five pillars that you need to go through. In Hinduism, you have to stop the cycle of reincarnation by living well. Buddhism believes in an eightfold path to become unattached to the world. But what does Christianity believe? It believes that he did everything because we were sinners. 
Yes. So it is not on what we do. It's on what he did and how we respond to that gift of grace. If that's possible, or if that's rather the truth, then once again, different sticking point, but one nonetheless, we'd have to look at it and say all of them can't be right because right. all of them don't agree. Right. So this concept of all religions are right, all roads lead to heaven, doesn't matter as long as you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, then we're all right, you have your truth, I have mine, we're all right, and we're all going to heaven. If that's not the case, well then, could there be one? Mm. And if so, what is that one? We know Christianity is exclusive. We know it is, and Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. Yes. Jesus was not exactly, yeah, let's all just jump in the real boat and go together. <laughs> However, he made that claim because he knows he's God in flesh and there is no other beside him. So he was very comfortable making that claim. Yes. Let's take a look at Christianity and let's see what it teaches. You're, you said earlier, and I thought this is a great point, if Jesus is not divine, if, he has not, if he's not who he says he is, then really there's not as much accountability. If Jesus isn't divine, I don't have to love my neighbor as myself, and mm. I don't have to love my enemy, and I don't have to go the second mile, and mm. I don't have to... All these things Jesus taught us, especially right. in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew right. 5 through 7. Right. Boy, in order to live a life that brings him glory and honor, this is what he asks of people who follow him. Mm. Not so we can earn our salvation, but because he's offered it. Right. So... Let's take a look. Christianity respects people of other faiths. If anybody said earlier, somebody said religion leads to all kinds of things. Hmm. Christianity, in its purest form, not so much. Right. Christianity does not lead to war in its in Christianity's purest form, in the way Jesus said it. Because Jesus said, love your enemy. And, or, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. Love your enemy. Hmm. You have heard it said, Jesus says, that... You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, love your enemy. If you love your enemy, you're not going to go to war with them. So Christianity, in its purest form, is not going to lead to war. True. And further, there is no Christian call to disrespect people we disagree with. I don't understand why today somebody can say one thing and then somebody else has to cancel them. That's, un that's unbelievable. You can't, this whole idea of cancel culture. Jesus forgave those who crucified him. That's huge. Jesus didn't call his disciples to go to war with them. He called his disciples and he himself forgave them. So what is this core belief that makes Christianity respect people of other faiths? Well, it's this core belief that all of us are created in the image of God. When you look at people in the world who are different than us and disagree with us, how do you see them? When I look at other people, different people, it's hard. It's human nature. It seems like we kind of use that as a catch all that we immediately might shut down. We don't like where that source of information is coming from. Sure. But as a Christian, as you said, we're called to show that grace to them, the same grace that Christ showed to us. And the world tells us we shouldn't be that way. The world teaches vengeance and retribution and retaliation. But some of the things that you mentioned earlier, for example, going two miles instead of one mile, that turned the world upside down for the people that heard it. Yes, it did. Because here you have Jesus, who they're expecting is going to be this conqueror of their 
oppressive Roman overlords. And he's saying, you know what? I love that word, overlord. If, <laughs> it's a Call me overlord. <laughs> These occupiers, they're not very popular. And here's Jesus who's saying, you know what? I know the law says you have to go with them a mile and carry that 60-pound rucksack that they have. Mm-hmm. But guess what? If they ask, go two miles. Exactly. This is contrary to what the world teaches us. Sure it is. And so in its purest form, because as we know, things can be perverted, twisted, counterfeited. We know that in its purest form, that's what Christianity teaches. And this is contrary to many, many other religions. Some of them that actually teach force and aggression or else. Or yes, exactly. If you don't believe what I believe, then you should be eliminated. Right. Well, that's not Christianity. Right. In fact... When you take a look at the cross itself, you look at all the different people who are at the cross. There is a group of women who were not respected, treated as property in the New Testament, but Jesus elevated them, valued them, yes. saw that they were created in the image of God. Yes. So there's a group of women. There's John, who's been a disciple for three years. There is presumably, I'm going to say, Simon, who probably was there because he carried Jesus's cross. And so he's probably standing there with his two boys, Alex and Rufus. Simon's right. just a, a family man. There are Roman soldiers who are men of authority and power. There's a thief who can't make it to the foot of the cross because he's nailed to his own cross, and he's just a, a ne'er-do-well, a, mm. a scallywag, mm. or a rat scallion, <laughs> not the guy you want your daughter bringing home. So you have all these different people, and yet all of them come on level ground at the foot of the cross. Nobody is above or below anybody else. Everybody at the foot of the cross, or even on the cross, was created in the image of God. So Christianity elevates everybody to this understanding that you were created in the image of God. And what you believe doesn't make me hate you. And the way you treat me doesn't make me hate you. In fact, Jesus calls me to treat you like I want to be treated. And I would even argue farther, Jesus would like me to treat you the way I want him to treat me. So if I want him to be rude and <laughs> dismissive of me, then I will be the same to you. If I want him to cancel me, mm-hmm. but none of us want that. In fact, this is a little bit aside, but the whole cancel culture, Jesus himself said, if you call your brother Raka, or you say to him Raka, which literally means worthless or of no value, you're in danger of hell yeah. because when you are taking upon yourself the role of God, and saying that the one Jesus himself died for, that God created, has no value. And you can't make that call. That's true. So that's, that's one of the, the distinctives of Christianity is everybody is elevated in the image of God. And all of us come on level ground. Nobody's above or below anybody else. We've mentioned this before. Christianity is all about what he did, not what we do. And Pastor, on that note, you've been, you've been pastor of a church campus for some time now. And you've been in the ministry for even longer. You attend large conferences, youth camps, things like that around the country. Do you think that it's fair to say in these assemblies, in these congregations, we also see everything leveled that in within your worship service, for example, Skin color does not matter. Right. Status does not matter. Right. Occupation does not matter. Right. It is the equalizer that brings everyone together because they're all there for the purpose of worshiping, loving, and serving God. Exactly. That's also something we don't see in every religion. No. 
that yeah. there's no difference whether you're Jew or Greek or anything else, that once you are, especially within this family, that you're adopted into this family and serving Christ, that we don't see those differences. No. They're, if they're there, socioeconomically or any other way, or, or even, I don't even have to use the word race because it's the human race, but maybe ethnically. Sure. Not to God. Sure. And certainly it should not be to his people. We shouldn't sure. see those. Yeah. And again, in its purest form, because obviously that can be twisted and changed. There's obviously ethnic of wars. Course. There's been genocides in the name of religion, which the quote you opened up with, that's why a person like that could so easily be misled and think, right. when I look around, I see religion as a bad thing. Exactly. But again, in its purest form, Christianity, if we follow what the Bible says mm -hmm. and what Jesus taught, right. we're actually very inclusive for this exclusive offer. Yes, yes. <laughs> but that's what limited it is. Time only. It is, and it is a limited time only. That's that part's right. true Catch as well. The, coming of the, the, Lord. the clock is running out, but Indeed. that exclusiveness that people may want to exploit or look at as a bad thing, that's available to everyone. Exactly. Everyone from every culture, every class, every ethnicity, every caste. Yes. Of course, there are some religions who are based on a caste system. You'll never get, you'll never be better than you are. Right. Christianity says it doesn't care where you came from, who you're, to whom you were born. You can be born again and God can transform your life. Well, let me ask you this, preacher. That being said, what if I come to you and I say, preacher, I realize that Jesus is for everyone, but he can't be for me. I, you would not believe the things I've done in my past. Sure. I've done horrible things. There's no way he can forgive me. There's no way that I could ever go to heaven. Have you had this? Or what would you say if you've had this person come to you and say this? How would you respond as, as a preacher? I have. I've had people come and say, yeah, you don't know what I've done. No way God would accept me. And I point them to Paul, who was a powerful preacher, pastor, church planter, missionary, but before all of that, before he received the Holy Spirit, before he was transformed, he used to kill and imprison Christians. And so I'll just ask them, have you ever killed Christians? No. Okay. You're good. <laughs> you, you are eligible. That's a good icebreaker. Yeah, you're eligible because if God could forgive Paul for what he did, he'll forgive you for what you did, regardless of what you did. Yes. And when he forgives, he, he the Bible says he puts our sin behind his back or he casts it as far as the east is from the west. He'll never bring it up against us anymore when we've repented of it. So it's a, it's a beautiful offer with Christianity. And you mentioned it. It erases these class lines. Jesus, when you just take a look at his dream dozen, his disciples, he blended different tax brackets, different ethnicities, different ways of living yes. in a way that would seem scandalous to others. He yes. took Simon the Zealot, who zealots were those who hated the Roman government and were basically trained to kill Romans and try to take over. Right. And he put them with, he put Simon with Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was a Jew who turned coat for the Romans. Working for the enemy. <laughs> exactly. Puts them in a room and says, yeah, this will work. This will be a great club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't see any problem with that. Anybody see any issues right. with that? I don't know this for sure, but when Jesus sent them out two by two, I have a feeling he put Matthew and Simon together and just said, they'll be fine. And everybody else in the world looks at it and says, there's no way they can exist together. And he says, yeah. Yeah, you They've don't know anything about team building. There's no way that's, yeah, that's going right. to work. <laughs> that's right. That is not going to work. Exactly. So that's what happens. And and not only classes. Let's take women. 
I mentioned a little bit ago, Jesus had, there were women at the cross who followed Jesus. He elevated women. The first person he talked to about him being the Messiah was a woman at the well who had been married five times and lived with her boyfriend. Right. Not exactly what you would consider a candidate for such an amazing revelation. Because once again, those kind of things are, should be reserved for the priests and the preachers and the prophets and those who are worthy. And Jesus said, she'll be fine. And we see the same thing with Lydia, with Paul, mm-hmm. that we have the person who becomes the first European convert to Christianity who is leading her own cell group, essentially, in a right. town where they don't have enough men for a synagogue. But right. that faithful group of women meeting at the river in a pagan city worshiping the goddess Artemis is actually the group that's going to fund Paul's later missionary trips to Thessalonica. We get two epistles out of that. So it was a really good trip. (laughs) That's right. That is a great trip. And when you take a look at the, the tomb, the empty tomb, which that's really, that's exciting. When you you take a look at who is the first one to the empty tomb? Women. One way we know the Bible is true, just one simple way, and there are so many more, but one simple way is the fact that women are the first ones to the tomb. If men were writing this to preserve their legacy and their ministry, they would never write women in as the ones who said, oh yeah, I believe Jesus rose. When the guys were like, eh, never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and there, were, there was significance in that also, right, with the testimony, whether or not they would be able to legally testify that that exactly. was true, right? In that Greek, Greco-Roman world, women's yeah. testimony did not hold up in court. And yet God said, oh, their testimony will be just fine. It will stand. And they went and testified to the disciples. And what do you know? Voila, now we know that the tomb is empty. He has a much different economy <laughs> than the rest of the world, exactly. which also speaks to the fact that he says, you can't do it on your own. You need to rely on me. Exactly. You won't make it without me. Exactly. And so again, many, many differences that set Christianity worlds apart right. from the rest of the religions of the world. Exactly. And, and the last one, which is what we mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, is the empty tomb. Yes. There is no other evidence, really, Christianity needs, in my opinion, than the empty tomb. Yes. We know for sure the tomb in which Jesus was laid, according to history, not just the Bible, but extra-biblical history, we know the tomb is empty. If the tomb is empty, it has to be empty for a reason. Either one, as Christianity preaches, he rose from the grave. If that's not true, then as we dealt with in a previous episode, and if you haven't heard this, go back to the last episode just before this one. I think it might have been April. So it has been a bit right. yes. it's been a little bit sabbatical for us. <laughs> the tomb is empty. And there are other theories. Theories that the women went to the wrong address, theories that Jesus only faked his death on the cross, or theories that the disciples stole the body. Or they ran into the gardener by mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so other theories, but none of them are viable. Right. And, but those are the best theories that have come up with. But the fact the tomb is empty, the fact Jesus was laid in there and three days later is no longer in there, is evidence that Christianity, among all the other religions in the world, if you take them versus 40, 199 other religions and you look at just this one thing, did the founder of this religion, mm. did he or she rise from the grave under his or her own power? Christianity can raise their hand in a pretty large classroom with a lot of people in the classroom and say, our founder did. Yes. No other religion can can make that claim. So true. So when you take a look at all of those, we've established then with certitude. There's no way all world religions can be right. Technically, 
if we look at this objectively, there's a way that none of them could be right. If there is no God, then we're all, oops. But if there is, and I think it does take more faith to believe there's not a God than there is, if there is a God, and there's a really a way to get to him, and he really, it would be, would, would be wonderful if he wrote it down in a book. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. And maybe gave it to people to be preserved and preached throughout if the generations. Only. If only. If only. If that's the truth, and the tomb is empty, then there really is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Amen. Well, this altar is open right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be a good time, though, to pray. And maybe you're wrestling with this question, and perhaps you are a very learned, educated man or woman, individual, you are degreed, and you don't want to appear to be narrow-minded and bigoted. And I understand that, and neither do I. However, when it comes to getting to God, we've got to get this one right. This one's important. I want to stand before him and say, I sought you and found you. You revealed who you are to me. You really are Jesus Christ who came to save me and respond to that. So let's pray and ask the Lord, for this. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the privilege to be a part of this episode. Thank you especially for the privilege to be a part of this truth. God, your word is truth. You are truth. You are the way. We're asking you today, anybody who's listening, who's wrestling with this very question, God, I pray you would show yourself to them. Scripture tells me that you will be found if we would just seek after you with all our heart. We will find you and that those who are hungry and thirsty, they would be filled I pray you would do this for everyone listening. And I pray, God, help all of us to draw closer to you, to know you more, and be ready for your coming. We pray these things and thank you for them in Jesus', Jesus name. name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Preacher and the Policeman. I really hope this was a helpful episode. Please do click subscribe so you'll know in a couple of years when the next episode drops, you'll know to be able to tune in. We will try to do a little better on the consistency. I'm sorry for the busy summer and fall, but be sure to click subscribe and share with your friends. This is something to share and share alike. Let them know about the episode, especially if they disagree with this view. Share it with them. Let them get a little bit worked up over it. It'll be fun. You'll have a good time. We will too. And then if you do want to reach out to us, would love to hear from you. Just go to our, our Facebook page, that's Facebook, and our screen name or handle, whatever the kids call it nowadays, is Vernon Chaplains. Vernon Chaplains. It's part of the Mount Vernon Association of Police Chaplains. Looking forward to hearing from you. Next episode, we're going to continue tiptoeing through these tough questions, and we're going to try to answer the question that so many people have about God, and this is why so many people have been turned away from believing in God. How in the world could a good God allow suffering? That's a big tough one. Question, big it's topic. A big question. Yes. And we're going to try our best to answer that one. Yeah. So looking forward to sharing that with you next time. But until then, I am LJ. I'm the preacher. And I'm Andy. I'm the policeman. Well, be blessed and be safe. <laughs>